Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Generation On Air. My name is Alex Bullimore and I am joined by, firstly, by Dan Lambert. Hello. Hello, welcome. And also joined uh, for the first time in a few weeks by Lucas Ross. Evening Alex, evening Dan, evening listeners. Welcome back. Okay, so as per usual, there is lots of topics to cover, including the FA Cup fourth round coming up this weekend, our next home match against Middlesbrough, the end of the January transfer window, and our four-goal thrashing of Reading. But, and I like to think this podcast covers important topics, and this is one that is incredibly important. Dan, at the weekend, you had the mythical chilli chips. I did, I did. Talk us through it. The formation, the texture, everything about it. Come on, give us a an analysis of and now, the chili what, chips chi- and cheesy chili chips. Well, I, cheesy I, chips. Firstly, firstly, there was a slight letdown because there was no cheese on the chili chips, um, so it was just chili chips. Um, so that surely has to get some points knocked down off the off the score. But no, it lived up to its expectation. Um, I was quietly surprised. So it's actually good food from when yeah, inside no, it's actually, QPR's it's ground. It's actually decent to be fair. Well, my mate, my mate has it regularly. Um, and then, yeah, he, he recommended it. So I thought I'd try it on Saturday and it, it didn't disappoint. How much is it? I think £3.94. It's not the end of the Worst prices. I'm going to be honest, I didn't think... I mean, obviously, I think we sit in the same stand because it's South Africa Road, isn't it? It's the only stand that it gets sold at. Is no, it? I, sit, I sit lower loft. Oh, you said lower loft. Okay. So I, I thought that this was just sort of something that everyone was aware of. I didn't realise it was sort of like, it's sort of taken on a, a whole new uh, thing with this, with it being put on Twitter. But yeah. Well, it's on, in, in the lower loft, it's um, like the one, the kiosk nearest to me, don't sell it. I think it's just random kiosks. Um, that's probably why it's a bit, um, it was a bit of a secret and so it was put on footy scrum. Yeah, I think one of the stands in South Africa Road does pizza as well, but it's sort of like every other one does something different. Uh, but yeah, nice to hear we've got some chili chips that are actually edible. I'll, I'll try them next time. Um, but there was a game on Saturday to distract Dan from his food. Uh, that was a four-goal thrashing against Reading. Um, before we get into it in real detail, um, Reading were really bad, aren't they? Yeah, it goes without saying. Um, how they scored three against us in September, me and Dan were at that game. Someone managed to get tickets in the three and a half hours we were on sale. Um, it was pretty, pretty good for us. Reading were terrible. Worst side I've seen us come up against this season easily. They were, they were really poor. We were really, really good. Um, we were we looked on the pace. Marshall looked solid in goal, as he has done since he came in. And obviously, the entire team is just chatting together. And Chris Wood with another two assists, taking up to five assists this month. First player to get five assists since October 2006, I'll have you know. I was one at the time. And I think that just goes to show how, how just how far this team has come in the last um, two years under the current stewardship of Mark Warburton. Dan, what did you think about Saturday? Um, I mean, about Reading, um, I thought they were pretty poor. I thought um, 
they did have a good um good spell in the opening what 15 20 minutes perhaps um before the first goal uh, they they were they were decent in some areas i thought which we'll touch on in more detail in a minute but um they just looked at a, a side really lacking in confidence yeah well go into a bit more detail on what what you thought that they were a bit better than and uh, perhaps giving credit for then um well i thought they played a four at the back system so naturally they did quite well in wide areas, particularly with Yerdom. I thought on the um, on the right hand side, they could easily create overloads with the extra man, with the full back and the the winger or the narrow striker. However, however they played, because I thought, well, I don't know if it was just me, but I thought that well, I didn't really know what Reading's shape was fully. Like they had the four back four, the middle three, but then Swift, Jao, and Puskas never really looked like they had a had a real shape was it narrow I don't know what it was to be honest but um no I thought they did well in the wide areas and then obviously in the second half um when Ajari came on it they improved their attacking patterns a little bit more I thought yeah um obviously Pushkas now is no longer at Reading is he he's been moved on and he's five mil five mil potentially yeah that's uh Certainly an interesting one. Um, but yeah, they apparently had 18 shots throughout the game, which either matches or is very close to the total that we managed. I can't really... I mean, I wouldn't have said it 18. It sees what we had. We had 16, apparently. Um, I don't really believe that, but I guess the stats don't lie. Well, the important one didn't. So, you know, uh, let's do go through those goals one by one. First one, really nice finish by Dykes, but we kind of played we were de- devastating on the counter for the majority of this game weren't we Dan it's not just this goal yeah. this has a little element of the counter attack on it obviously Amos is the most counter attacking goal but we were pretty good at breaking weren't we yeah it was the um, well it was from Willock wasn't it really he managed to out muscle one of their midfielders I can't remember who it was and um, no we just we didn't I think the fact that we more of a counter-attacking side on Saturday, I think that kind of showed we missed Chair a little bit in possession. Uh, I think Amos was great as well, which I'll touch on later, but um, obviously Willock was the, the main creativity that we um, had all game and obviously worked in a lovely ball to the back post where Dykes had, what, half a goal to, to aim him, really, and it was a good, good finish from him. Yeah, um, it's a really good advantage, actually, by the ref, because Willock is definitely fouled and the ref manages to decides to give the advantage Willock puts a fantastic ball in and there's Dykes sort of redeeming himself for the poor miss against Swansea um, his heading is obviously much more of his strong suit so and he could hardly miss from there but it's nice to see him popping up with two goals um, the second one uh, Jimmy Dunn and Field in combination to win the ball back and then Dunn with uh, sorry, Dykes with a fantastic flip around the corner for a domer. What what's the thoughts on the second goal? Really, really tidy stuff. Um, I remember. I think um, it was the third goal as a counter attack, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I think it, it, we moved it. We moved we moved it about nicely. Um, we Amos was really unlucky not to score a goal before it hit the inside of the post. I thought for all the heavens it was in, but just wasn't to be. That's an aside. But the second goal, really, really quite a tidy finish with some nice link-up play between Field, Dunn, Adoma, and then Dykes just finishing it off. Dan, it was a good goal, wasn't it? 
Yeah, no, it was a good, it was a good goal. Um, another Dyke. I, I think the the cross got a little nice deflection that um, that kind of helped Dykes in a, in, a, in a way. But um, no, no, it was a good, it was a good goal. Uh, and then we mentioned it a few times. Amos gets his goal at last after hitting the post in the last game against Swansea, and then Reading. He does a fantastic finish, but it's awful goalkeeping. I don't quite know. Uh, I think, as uh, Andy Sinton said on comms, I don't quite know what the goalkeeper was doing there. He certainly isn't making himself big enough to potentially save it and just sort of sits down. So, really strange game from their keeper at the weekend. But, yeah, lovely finish from Amos. Nice to see him get that goal. And then Jimmy Dunn in the second half. And I think this is... um, I was so happy we got this goal. There was always... uh, Would have been... a little nagging thought in the back of my head if we had gone into the second half and it stayed at 3-0 for more than sort of 10 minutes that they could potentially get back into the game. But with that corner, straight, you know, it's pretty much straight away, we get the fourth goal. That really does kill off any chance of them winning the game or getting anything from it. And it's such an easy goal. The rest of them have were all really nicely worked. But oh, this this was ridiculously easy. It was laugh, Dunn, it was laughable. Dunn wasn't marked at all. It was absolutely pathetic from Reading. <laughs> you just well, sort they, of think it was. I didn't. I didn't understand the setup. It was. It was mainly the majority of it was zonal, and then there was four of our players in the middle and two of theirs. So naturally, we blocked two of their two players, and Dykes made a run between the middle markers, and then Dunn just made a curved back post run in between. I think I, I can't remember who it was, but and they had two people on the post as well. And Jao, I think, didn't didn't even head it away. The it thing was awful, is, awful what you've just described there, obviously, is a bit of a hybrid between the two accepted styles of defending set plays. Um, and it always strikes me that when you have this sort of mix, it just gets more confusing than it needs to be. I wouldn't necessarily be a fan, perhaps, of zonal marking. I think, of, I guess, it has its positives at times. Um, but you've even, surely you've got to do one or the other. You can't mix it, really. We do mix it. We do mix it, in fairness. I think you, you can mix it. But the problem is, when you go majority zone, zonal markers, you've got to win, you've got to win your um, duels in the zone. In, in the zone you're marking otherwise you just give free reign I think obviously when we played Fulham away that's the most that's the the one that I remember the most where we we went majority zonal and uh, I think Mitrovic just snuck in at the front post quite easily and could have scored so that is that is the the downfall of zonal marking unfortunately and surely if you're going to do a little bit of man-to-man then one of the ones that you have to Mark is the big centre back that they've sent off up from the back, rather than you think so, or or at least go four v four in the middle rather than four v two. I mean, that's, who that's else just, would have been marked or unmarked? Like who who did they choose um, to mark over Dunn? Was it Amos Dykes, or something like that? Dykes and Dunn were the one. Dykes and Dunn were the one that was the, that were free. Um, I think it was so, field. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's stupid, isn't it? Let's not mark the striker and one of their. You know we've commented on Jimmy Dunn's heading nearly every podcast and from from his first game in a friendly against Cambridge. I mean, they they don't listen to us, clearly, but they don't watch (laughs) our games either. It's bizarre, isn't it? Why would you not mark two of our biggest threats from a corner? It's weird. Really, really strange from Reading. And I think we punished them duly with that free header. And 
obviously we made it a four and then we just sat back for the rest of the match and held out for the four nil which i wish we got another i wish we got a fifth but i'll take the four nil all day long well that kind of sums it up quite nicely because it does feel like at four nil we decided that that would be enough and it didn't re- we didn't really need to do anything else after that we didn't really need to do much to get into a four nil so i could kind of understand them taking their foot off the pedal a little bit but I said to my dad after the game, I was kind of a bit disappointed that they didn't go out and try and sort of like really put Reading to the sword in the second half and maybe be a bit more open at the back, but you would possibly put a few more past them. We haven't had got the greatest goal difference this season. It would have been nice to see if we could have tried and matched the 7-0 that Fulham scored against them. It certainly was on at certain points, um, you know, there was plenty of chances. Thomas should have scored. Dykes has a fantastic shot, which is saved by the keeper in the second half. I mean, it was an absolute rocket on the volley. Um, he, in the first half, he had a, another chance that perhaps he could have done better with, but it was a good, still a good save from the keeper. And obviously, we talked about Amos with a shot against the post. I mean, if really you think Am- Thomas should definitely score because he's one on one with the goalkeeper and it should be 5 0. The rest of them, he could take it up to 8-0 you know god god knows what happens if it gets to 7 7-0 and you know reading they didn't really put much uh fight up they really could have fallen apart but um do you think we took it a bit too easy in the second half dan um possibly possibly i mean that's the beauty of hindsight isn't it um like you said we could have won probably 6-7 7-0, but at the point where it was 4-0, it, it gave us um, the opportunity to rest a few legs, the likes of Wallace, bring on Sanderson for his debut um, and give Thomas a run out for, for Willock. So it has, its, it has its positives that we were 4-0 up so early. Um, but I'm happy with a clean sheet as well, to be honest. Yep. And then another one to add to David Marshall's uh, increased collection. I think this is a bit of a debate I don't really think, well, could be a bit of debate, but I think it's a pretty easy answer. Does Senny come back into the side once the uh, AFCON is finished? I mean, he's playing tonight, I believe, as we're rec- the seven o'clock tonight we're recording in the semi-final. So he could be back in a couple of weeks, but does he get back in? Don't think I don't think so. Um, Marshall's come in and he's used his experience and his know-how to really um, solidify the defence once and for all. We've kept three clean sheets in the four games so far and the, the match in which he didn't keep a clean sheet in was from an unstoppable first for, uh, from an unstoppable goal. Um, can't speak tonight. Um, and yeah, I think he's done really well and I do remember seeing somewhere on socials, I think it was that truth and justice guy. He said that Marshall's not having it. No, Marshall. He said that Dieng's not having it all his own way when he's back. And I disagree with pretty much everything he says, but I think he's right. I think Dieng's definitely not having it his own way. Whether he goes back in straight away or whether Marshall keeps playing is another question. But will will Dieng go straight back in? I think not. Dan, what do you think? Um, I'd probably stick with Marshall. I mean, I quite like DM if I'm honest, but I think don't think Marshall's done too much wrong. Uh, I've been pleasantly surprised by his distribution. To be fair, um, I did have my doubts about that, but no, he's proven me wrong, and he pulled us some blinding saves, particularly against um, 
well, Swansea's on Saturday and um, against Coventry, uh, most definitely. So, no, I'd, I'd keep him in, but they're probably, that pretty begs a question as to when when's the right time to throw Dieng in if he doesn't go in straight away. Um, because, obviously, we're probably going to be on a good run of form. And, obviously, he is going to be our first choice keeper in the future. So, that's probably one to keep an eye on. Yeah, and then uh, at the end of the game, or well, not at the end of the game, but he got a pretty decent chance to impress Dion Sanderson. And he enamoured himself quickly to the fans of a pretty dominant sliding tackle. Um, what did you think, Dan, of his debut? Um, I was impressed. I thought slightly before the tackle, he did engage too, too quickly. And obviously, I think he got spun in behind, but obviously... One of the benefits of having someone like him is he has recovery pace, which we don't necessarily have in that back three. Um, I, I thought he'd come in on the right-hand side, if I'm honest, but he played on the left and he wasn't too bad. I mean, if I'm being picky, I think I was speaking to you, this, you about this, Alex, about the um, passing angles and opening his body from build-up. That could be something to, to keep an eye on, especially when we attack so dominantly on the left-hand side. Uh, it's not going to be as fluid as... Powers Barbe, but I think he's got versatility. He can play full back, wing back, either side, centre back. Um, and now he's got pace and power, which is always a positive. Yeah, Lucas, what do you think of of Dion when he came on? Um, I thought he looked solid. Um, I had actually already seen him play this month um, when I went Birmingham away. Um, he looked solid then, but I think that he took his solidness from Birmingham and really instilled it, if you like, into our team. And assuming he isn't cup-tied, I can see him playing the full 90-plus um, on Saturday because he did come on and look solid. Now, I'm pretty sure he's not cup-tied because he left before the third round would have started. His last game was our game in December away at Birmingham. So I think he we will come on to that very shortly, but he shouldn't be cup-tied for the weekend. Uh, and a quick word just on Johan Barbe as a left wing back. What did we think of the way he played? Because when we've had a few sort of injury issues at wing back, we've kind of suggested him. We had a little glimpse of it against Reading, attacking wise, perhaps not quite with the same quality. Uh, I, I'm, I don't know. I, he we he didn't really attack down the left hand side too much in the last what, 20, 25 minutes. Um, I mean, he's a decent option. He's versatile. Um, but I don't think I'd have him there more than you have to. Um, he's much better in the left left centre-back role. Yeah, and I think we'll move on from Reading. So that was, it was nice to finally get that comprehensive win that we've all been wanting. I think we signed off on the last podcast with us wishing for a comfortable win and we certainly got that so it was nice to see and it's also nice to know that uh my dad didn't curse the game because just after dyke scored the second goal he turned around to me and said could this be the day we actually thrash someone i was like well <laughs> it bloody better be after saying that anyway uh as we've already mentioned it's the third no fourth round of the fa cup this weekend and we have yet another really exciting fixture against Peterborough. I'm expecting to see plenty of changes here. I don't know about you guys. What, what are we thinking? What are we hoping for? Oh, I'm thinking Marshall will stay in goal, goes without saying. 
Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Walsh does get a chance because against Man United he did look quite solid. But I'm saying Marshall goal, I think. Um, I reckon Odoma will play. He played against Rotherham. I'm, I expect to see Sanderson make his debut. Um, I've just checked and he was an new sub in Wolves' FA Cup match. That pro- that I don't think that makes him cup tied. Does it, it doesn't make him cup tied, does it? I don't think so. You actually have to have minutes, don't you? Yeah, he was he was an unused sub, so it shouldn't do. Um so... if we signed <laughs> if we had signed a player cup tied that we can't rotate our back three, and then we sent away our other centre back on loan again, something we will come on to shortly. That would be really stupid. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> and um so um, I expect to see Sanderson starting alongside Dickie and Barbe. It's just written in the stars that they'll play. Um, I also think we'll see the likes of Dazel come in. He's not played for a he's not played for a hot minute. I think Hendrick, um, he can't be cup tied, can he? Um no, he's not. Um Hen I reckon Hendrick will make his debut. Um, so I reckon we'll have the good old Hendrick and Dazel pivot in midfield. And I think we'll have um I think it will be, Dan will like to hear this. I think George Thomas will get minutes from the off um, and we'll probably have Charlie Austin up top to start with. Um, other than that, I'm not 100% sure as to what we will do. Okay. Um, Dan, what, who, is there a player or anyone that you'd like to see in particular get a few minutes? Um, not, 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 not really particularly. I, I don't, I don't think he'll make too many changes. He doesn't normally in cup games. Um, I think we might see some of the loan um, or the new new additions. Sanderson maybe a full ninety. Hendricks and minutes. Um, bit of rotation elsewhere, but I mean, as we want to get a win here, we want to go as far as possible. Obviously, the league's our priority, but another win, more momentum going into Middlesbrough can't can't hurt anything. So I don't think think he'll go too weak, but I don't think he'll go like the strongest possible. Yeah, I think the goalkeeping one is interesting. Obviously, last time we, we wanted to change it for uh, Archer, and that's where he picks up his injury. I, I think he keeps uh, Marshall in just to keep it settled. Um, I'm shocked that neither of you have mentioned the Dominator. Don Ball's been overlooked for minutes recently. I think it'd be nice to see him back on the pitch, considering that it was, we're probably not going to see many much more of him. Um yeah, him, Dazelle, Hendrick as a midfield, possibly giving Amos and uh, Johansson and Field a chance to have a put their feet up. I'm sure that some of them will feature off the bench. Obviously, Austin up top and uh, Thomas as well. So, you know, I th- possibly, I think, Ink, the one that you definitely do have to rotate, uh, I disagree with you, Lucas, is Adoma. His attacking threat, obviously, is something that we rely on. Um, and I guess that makes it all the more important that he doesn't get injured. He's played a lot of minutes recently. He was rested in midweek against Swansea, and I think this is an opportunity to give Moses an opportunity again. Uh, you know, you've got to have um, confidence coming from throughout the squad. Um, we've already played Peterborough away once already this season. It was a, I didn't go to it, but by all accounts, it was a pretty dire game. Scored from a corner through Ilias Chair. What can we do better this time round, Dan? Um, well, probably a bit, a bit more dominant on the ball. I don't think we were too dominant with the ball. Um, 
away last time. We missed some big chances as well, even though we didn't create loads. Uh, to be fair, it's a different it's a different Peterborough side, really. Well, not not too different, but they've got a few names, a few uh, players that they signed in the summer coming through. So there's not it's not going to be an easy task. But um, no, just got just got to do more of what we've been doing in the last four or five games, really. Lucas, what are you hoping for this time round? Um, I'm hoping, um, on a more personal note, to not fall three rows of seats if we score and then lose in the last minute. Um, but on a real one, I'm just hoping to see us play better because I went and it was pretty poor. Um, not not much cohesion throughout the team. We, we was opened up too easily and we deservedly lost the game. Um, obviously, Peter Braham got Sariki Dembele this time round. He was huge for them in that game in October. Um, obviously, no Sariki Dembele and... Who and the goalkeeping situation at Peterborough is also an interesting one as well. Don't know if you guys have noticed, but they start the season with Christy Pym in goal, and then it was David Cornell. Now they've signed Stephen Bender on loan, I think, from Swansea, and he's come into the side. Um, I think we'll see Cornell because I think Bender might be cup tied, but yeah, it will be interesting to see who what sort of team Peterborough puts out and I don't want to fall three rows of seats and then lose. Uh, so nice for you to mention Dembele there, actually, because I was going to ask where the attacking threat is now going to come from, really, with Dembele gone. He's scored five goals this season. I think their other top star, top scorer is uh, Clark Harris with another five goals. So what can we expect in an attacking sense from Peterborough? Um. Well, of late, they've been playing similar system to us, two strikers. I don't know how much rotation they're going to make, but they've been playing with Clark Harris and um, Jack Marriott recently up top. I mean, they've got they've got some decent attacking options, like some Poku, who they signed from Colchester, um, George A. Grant from who they signed from Lincoln, Sammy Schmodick. So they've got they've got um, good attacking players, and then obviously they brought in. Um, Bally Mumba from Norwich, who um, scored a really nice goal in the third round of the FA Cup. Athletic wing back, um, good one v one. So they've got some players to to score the goals, so whether they can create the chances. Yeah, um, their last win actually came in the FA Cup against Bristol Rovers in the third round, uh, and their last league win came against Mill in December. Since the FA Cup win, though, they have lost four one to Coventry, three nil to West Brom, two nil to Sheffield United, and. Their only point came in a two-all draw against Birmingham. So, you know, there's a few familiar names there. Obviously, Coventry, West Brom and Birmingham teams that we've played recently and beaten, um, some more comfortably than the others. Surely this is another really good opportunity to make it through to the next round of the Cup. It is, it is. I think with the, the only issue with them conceding them goals, though, they remind me a bit of... Um, us in our first year under Warburton. Obviously, we had a pretty bit more quality at the time, but um, high-risk possession, creating chances, leaky at the back. So I think that's their style and that's how they how they, how they play and that's probably why they leak so many goals. But no, I think we, we should be beating them, really. Yeah, and it, I know we said that wouldn't be surprised if Austin comes in um, and we're not really playing with two strikers at the moment with the... Uh, absence of Andre Gray but I would probably just like to see Dykes carry on he had a really good game against Reading and you know 
get in and out the side all the time won't be great for his goal-scoring form. And we just want to see him score as many as possible. Dan wants to see him score 20 by the end of the season, by the way. He's been picking this up no. a lot I said, I said I'm to the rest of us. 15 to 20. 15 to 20. Um, well, no, I've seen so, so many people doubt him just generally. Um, no, he's, he's, got, he's got all the qualities to get 15 to 20 goals a season. Easy. He's already on nine for the season. Um He's hit two in on Saturday. He's a confident striker. I have no doubt he'll, he'll, he'll get 15, 20 goals. Yeah, as you said, uh, with going into Middlesbrough, you know, winning breeds confidence. And it's the same thing with strikers. Scoring goals will breed confidence for them. Uh, so moving on from Peterborough, we saw the conclusion of the January transfer window on Monday evening. And it was, uh, wasn't say a busy one. It was sort of just like, yeah rather sedate one for QPR, but there were two th- things to come out of it, one outgoing and one incoming. We'll start with the outgoing. Jordi Device to Fortuna Dusseldorf in the Bundesliga 2 on loan until the rest of the season. This one kind of came out of nowhere, a bit of a surprise move until West London Sport announced it uh, the other day. So what do we think? It's a strange one. I was taken by surprise, to be honest. Um I don't know. I can see. I can see it from a personal point of view for Device. Um, obviously, regular game time. Going to try and get him into the flow a little bit. Um, get some form together. But then, when we played West Brom at home, uh, the post-match interview warped him. He was adamant that we needed depth in the centre back position. Obviously, he kept reiterating the fact that we have three centre backs playing, and if one of them was to get injured. Um, we'd be very, very short. And that's still the case with Samson coming in, even though if he can slot into one position, what happens if we lose two? Um, yeah, just a really strange one, to be honest. Um, I'm just hoping it doesn't really come back to bite us in the, in the short term. Yeah, the thing is with this is that, you know, I can understand perhaps if he's coming from the point of view is there's a recall clause in the deal whereby we can recall him at any time so if one of the other players get injured for a significant period of time we can cancel that loan bring him back into the side and hopefully he'll be playing and be fit and he'll be ready to go however what you know if he's playing week in week out for Fortuna Dusseldorf doesn't that mean he's more at risk to be injured himself we know how injury prone he is he did play well at the start of the season until he uh, eventually did pick up an injury. He didn't play in many of the cup matches, I don't think. I think that's where Dunn really got his chance. So I'm just a little bit confused. Surely the second, you know, the B team and the under-23s, that's their purpose for keeping these fringe players ready for when they come back into the side. If if Device is injured and we can't recall him, there's just no point. I, I thought this would be a perfect opportunity. You've got Sanderson and you've got Device. Them two, you know, Sanderson isn't our player, so you can invest as much time as in as you want, but he's not going to, you know, get anything back to us in the long term. So you give Device the opportunity to build up some fitness, but you reduce his workload at the same time. Surely playing the same amount of games that would cause him to have an injury just means he's going to break down again. Maybe. I, I think I think also with playing regularly, I know he gets injured injured um 
I love it. He's got to get in the flow somehow. Um, on the B team thing, I don't think we've actually got many B team fixtures actually due to play for the next couple of months. Might have the other one or two, but is there any point really keeping him here for his development, his game time, if he's just going to play the B team game here and now? I'm not. I'm not too sure. Um, I mean, from a selfish point of view, it'd have been great if we kept him as a fourth or fifth choice backup, like you said. But I think we look. It, it didn't surprise me too much because we saw with Macaulay Bonnet at the start of the season. Obviously, there was a big, a big um, surprise over sending him on loan after we just spent that money. But obviously, Warburton had the same um, idea to give give him regular game time. Yeah, Lucas, what do you think of this move? Um, I think um, prior to Sanderson signing, I didn't really see it come in, but. I thought once Sanderson arrived on loan, I thought it's it's inevitable for sure that he will leave on loan for the rest of the season. And it happened on Monday night when he eventually moved to the Bundesliga um, to to join Fortuna Dusseldorf. And I think he started the season playing well, got got injured um, off when we played Forest, got injured, hasn't really been seen since. And um, I think Jimmy Dunn really grew into his own in the cup matches. Obviously, he was he was the hero against he was one of the heroes against Everton with Charlie Austin being the obvious other hero and Dieng as well. Um, and I think he comes in against Birmingham, does well, and then he then he scores against Preston. And I think from that point onwards, um, he was I think done. I think Device was a bit in the mud after that point, if you like, because he suffers quite a bad injury against Forrest. I had to watch that match on his goal because I was away, but it did look quite bad, the extent of the injury. And we were right. He hasn't played for us since and he's been shipped out on loan. And Sanderson's come in, looked solid against Reading. And, and what will happen to Device in the mid to long term, I don't know, but... Yeah, surely there has to be some sort of recall clause in his contract. OK, and then the one little bit of business that we did do on transfer deadline day, something that, again, kind of came from nowhere. And again, something that's got Dan a little bit annoyed. Um, but Jeff Hendrick was signed from Newcastle after we tried to sign a attacking midfielder for majority of the day. Patterson from Swansea was our main target and then it fell through because we weren't paying the amount that Swansea wanted. Not necessarily a bad thing. You know, we've learned from our past. But Jeff Hendrick, Dan, he's not a number 10, is he? No, absolutely not. Um, I think he played there in his derby days, but what, that was 10, just under 10 years ago. Um I didn't really comprehend the deal when we signed him. Um, and I listened to West London Sports um, interview with Walter there explaining, explaining um, why he signed him. And firstly, he went on to suggest that we don't, we never bring anyone in for the bodies. Um, and then his quote was, we've got a player that can drop into the six if need be, but comfortably play the eight. A good athlete and great experience. There was no mention of a number 10 despite being linked to an attacking midfielder all window. We've now got a sixth midfielder in our books. 
Um, it just doesn't make sense. We've got Bourne Field as number sixes, Amos, Dazelle and Steph as number eights. Uh, he's, an, he's an upgrade on ball, but he's not a natural six anyway. Um, and it hinders the development of Amos and Dazelle short to medium term. It re- I, I really still can't understand it. Unless there's going to be some sort of change. I mean, you know, chairs coming back soon, so they're going to have to go back. There's, you know, we can't have three midfielders anymore. We're going to have to have him playing alongside Willock again. So I just don't see where this fits in, really. I, I, I know we've said trust manager and he seems to know what he's doing. And last season on the deadline day, we signed field on loan and everyone's sort of like, why? <laughs> What's that all about? And he, he's turned out to be a quality signing. But we obviously we needed him at that period in time, and we needed to sign him in the, in the summer as well. Uh, Hendrick just seems to be clogging up space, like, and it gives. He hasn't, he hasn't played. He hasn't played a competitive game since October. Yeah. So we we want someone. We want someone for the now to help us get potentially get promoted. And you've got someone that hasn't played a comp- one uh, has only played one competitive game since October, and will take time to get up to speed within four months. It just it, it really doesn't make any sense. The other thing you could say, perhaps, in defence of the signing is that Field is also quite injury prone. So you've got you know, Amos as well. You don't want to be too short in the middle of the midfield. But, you know, you're planning for something that might not happen. I guess that's the, you know, that's the whole thing. And he could turn out to be a fantastic signing for us. But at this point in time, it's, it is a little bit hard to see where he fits in. Very quickly, Lucas, yes or no, do you think we need him? Um, I think given some of the injuries we've had in the midfield, I want to go with yes on the basis that you can't be, especially with the injuries that some of our midfielders have had, you can't be too safe, um, especially with Amos um, having been a fairly recent long-term absentee. Field missed the first few months of the season and obviously Johansson hasn't been injured yet and... um, Thing I'm missing some, and Ball hasn't played much. Um, but yeah, I think that sums it up really. I think he's ideal. Okay, so uh, that's the January transfer window done, and we don't really need to talk about prospective players, rumours, or anything like that. Please, nobody make any more suggestions to the end of the season. We've got a good side, just appreciate it, please, for once. Middlesbrough then is after the FA Cup match, another midweek game, I believe. And it feels like years since our game against them back in August. I think can we remember what happened in that game? I mean, I know because um, I've got it written down in front of me. But yeah, um, we got absolutely well, we got played off the park in the first half, and then second half we go into the game. Um, they, Johnny House, and I think it was scored an own goal. Moses got sent off. Dyke scores, and then their young lad Isaiah Jones tears apart, and then I think it's Matty Crook scores, and then. Willett scores 10 minutes of added time and then we hold out for a 3-2 win and Warnock's um, raising on the touchline. Well, since then, Warnock's been sacked. He's been replaced by Chris Wilder and Millsborough are on the up. They currently sit in sixth position with 28 games played, uh, 13 wins, six draws and nine losses. So, Dan, what can we expect from them this time round under a different manager? Um pretty much what Wild is all about really. Um three five two system. Um obviously the famously known um overlapping centre backs. Um they also do underlap at times to be fair. Um 
Johnny House is still in there um, as the number six, and they play two three eights in uh, Crooks and Tavernier. Um, so they get quite um, quite forward a lot of the time. And then obviously, like Lucas mentioned um, a minute ago, they've got Asai Jones um, as a right wing back, athletic, good one v one. He's actually improved on his final ball, so he'll be a he'll be a threat all night down the right hand side. And obviously, they've got um, well known to QPR fans, Joe Lumley. Um, not good on, not great on the ball. So perhaps we could use that as a, a pressing trigger. But no, they're, they're a good side. Yeah, uh, good to sort of note as well that Ilya's chair will be back in contention for this game. He's actually going to be back in contention for the Peterborough game, but um, give him another week off and see you at Middlesbrough. So, uh, but yeah, chair back in contention means that we could see a bit of a shake up. And we've just talked about the midfield situation with Hendrick coming in. Who would you be dropping to accommodate Ilyas Chair? Amos, personally. Uh, that, that seems harsh. It does seem harsh. but um, it, it doesn't really, you know, you could say it's harsh, but Chair's our best player. In no, no, no. So I, you, I, I don't think people, it's sort of, yeah, I know where you're I coming think, from. I think some people um, will think that's harsh based on the last two performances. I mean, Amos is great and he gives us something different. But um, Chair and Willett, the combinations, the, the free-flowing football, we, we're, we're better we're better as a side with two tens and a striker with Chair and Willett on the side. So for me, it'd have to be Amos. I mean, Johansson's our captain and obviously Field's been undroppable. So. He's ridiculously mm. good. Like And Amos has proven in the past that he just can't do what Field does. Um, no. So, yeah, I think that's more than fair enough. Middlesbrough have been a bit busy in the January transfer window. I think the one that everyone will recognise is Balogun coming from Arsenal. And they've um, they've moved Piazzu on to Cardiff till the end of the season as well. They've got Aaron Connolly as well, I believe, from Brighton. Someone that you might recognise. But they've made a few other signings. But, you know... Um, Where's their threats going to be coming from? Uh, mainly Asaya Jones um, and probably the probably the strikers. I mean, Wilder isn't really a manager that typically loves a big physical presence in a number nine. Hence why APAs has gone out alone. So the likes of Balogun, Sparrow, um, Conley, or what more, whoever he decides to play on the night, um, they'll be running in behind. So that'll be where the main threat for the centre backs are. Yeah. Uh, Lucas, any thoughts on Middlesbrough? Um, I think um, Lumley and Gold, I actually wouldn't, I wouldn't be too surprised if um, Luke Daniels gets the nod because he's played a couple of times this season. Um, so th- there's that as well to bear in mind. wouldn't be surprised if Luke Daniels gets the nod for Wednesday, given Lumley's pass with our fans. And let's also bear in mind that uh, Isaiah Jones will cause a threat down the wing. And they've also got the likes of Balogun, Connolly, Watmore to come in and cause us problems. So I think they need to be, uh, a close eye needs to be kept on them. And Drasborar as well. I think I mentioned, I don't think I mentioned him actually. So there is that. And I think if we just keep their team quiet, then we could do some things. Yeah. Um, so I don't think there's much more to say about Middlesbrough. They do have, uh, they're in the cup as well. They're playing Man United, so 
they've got a considerably harder game than us. And just before we go, a few more things to touch on, which I'm going to surprise the two guys here with. Firstly, player of the month for January, something that just I saw before we came on. It just interested me. I've got Adoma, Field, Marshall and Willock up for grabs. Very quickly, who would be your player of the month? Willock. Lucas, one word. Marshall. Yeah, I agree. Marshall's been outstanding since coming in. We all thought that would be an issue. Uh, luckily, I mean, you know, he's probably much, he's much better than Archer. Um, so that unfortunate injury to Archer could prove to be a blessing in disguise. And uh, one last thing before we do go and do the outros. It, Lyndon Dykes has made it into the EA Sports team of the week for ultimate team as well isn't that nice so uh i know what i'm gonna be doing for the rest of this week trying to get <laughs> trying oh, to get God. him into my non-existent ultimate team um i was just thinking the other day i never see we've been in great form all season i've never seen us represented once in that team of the week so it's nice to see linden does anyone care about fifa though realistically well, FIFA isn't really, playing no. a computer game, Alex. It's not played in a computer game. We've got an e- we've got an esports team, haven't we? Mm. Oh, I don't anyway. care about that. So. Anyway, uh, that's it for this week. Turns out, when you win four nil, there isn't really much to talk about apart from say that you played really well and the other team are crap. Um, so thanks to Dan and Lucas for joining me again this week. Um, follow them on Twitter. Follow. Oh, Dan's Substack. Uh, you've changed your name, haven't you? What's it called now? You changed the name of it? I think it's, yeah, yeah, it's called Tactical Downside. Like Downside, but play, play of name. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> uh, thanks. <laughs> okay, yeah, follow him on Substack and follow our generation on Twitter as well. We've passed 2,000 followers now, which is absolutely outstanding. Thank you so much if you are one of those followers and we have a pod email address it's alexrgen at yahoo.com if you need to get in contact with us uh and apparently we are number 46 in the apple podcast charts for the philippines in sports so the sooner we move to the top of that chart the better i say fantastic stuff as usual lads and until next time Come on, you odds.